Cool. Uh, Russell Earnshaw here, second take, live from uh, near the motorway in Manchester. Uh, Nick Watson, live from Joburg. How are you, mate? You all right? I'm good, thanks. And you? Good to be on yeah. the podcast. Good. No, mate, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's exciting to have you on. The, uh, the only owner of a 3D printer I know, so well done on that. And, uh, yeah, well, <clears throat> well, let's just start with why do you think you're on? What's, what's the connection? <clears throat> have have we got together? Uh, yeah, let, let us know. Well, probably about two years ago, we connected on Twitter. And we chatted a few times on and off. I think via chance meeting, saying, or me asking when you come to South Africa, you spread the good news everywhere else. I think it took about six weeks that you and John were here, which was pretty cool. It was good learning. It was yeah. like a, a memory dump. You came, you gave us a lot of information how to use it, and then you left. It was quite a shock. <laughs> yeah, and, and to be fair, without Juan, Sud America coaching, I definitely wouldn't have been there because he's, the, uh, he's the man with the plan. He's the guy organising stuff. So, uh, yeah, I loved it. And so you're looking out on the pitch, so the famous A's versus B's pitch. How's it looking today? It's South Africa. It's the middle of winter for us. It's quite cold. So it's about 10 degrees. The sun is shining. I expect it to get to probably about 30 degrees later this afternoon. It's always good. Wow. Not a cloud in the sky, no rain. It's a little bit chilly there. Nice. And so, and so let's talk. So we landed. We came straight to the pitch. Uh, we got to hang with you guys. Uh, I think when we turned up, you were just, you were just starting. You were playing a bit of a mixed game. Uh, what would that look like? So a couple of questions. One is, was what we experienced be typical for for you guys, and then what have you noticed about uh, rugby in South Africa? Well, you came in, it was mixed teams playing a bit of rack touch. Well, one of our modified games we played, so we identified early on that our team struggled a little bit with the racking. So we played a touch component, so there's no tackle in it, but there's racking involved, so it's live racking. It helps us with the setting up our defensive lines and attack shape a little bit which is pretty cool. It's very messy for us, which we kind of like. Kids' skills get put under pressure, which helps. It's one of, the, one of our core games that we play a lot of, like touch. Yeah. We play se- several core games. I don't know what your impression of, of the game was when you arrived, when you saw them playing with mixed teams. Yeah, I, I mean, I think I said it. I, uh, I love their energy. It reminded me of about 30 years ago. Um, I love that. They, yeah, I really like the often, you know, 1v1 over the, over the ball competition stuff. Um, and I love the fact they were mixed up, A's and B's, and people were learning off each other. Um, it wasn't what I expected, obviously, coming to South Africa, having seen lots of stuff that looked very different to that in South Africa over the years. But, um, yeah, no, it was cool. It was good. I mean, the... And, then, and great kids, so very kind of... One of my greatest memories was uh, at the end of the session, like a kid walking about 100 metres just to tell me I'd left my, uh, I'd left my trainers by the side of the pitch, <laughs> which I thought was pretty, pretty kind of him. Um, yeah, and then I guess, I mean, so... And, and, and then for probably for the last 15, 20 minutes, because they had a game coming, we did a bit of a... A's versus B's stuff. So that's the stuff I want to talk about, Nick, if I'm honest. Because the Mighty B's, the Mighty B's won 21-5. Um, what was, I mean, what were your experiences of that part of the session? 
Well, it's quite nice because I actually sat with you in the huddle talking to the bees first and you first spoke about um, what's going to look like when you win. Just imagine we beat the A's, <laughs> which was the first part. And then you spoke about doing a thousand press-ups if we won. Or Just I, think clarify, I wouldn't have made them do a thousand press-ups, but we, we spoke about like, imagine tomorrow when we talk about this. So let's take ourselves into the future and when we've beaten the A team and, and if we don't, here's a, here's a consequence, but I, I would never have made them do that just to clarify. And then what I quite liked is, is you changed up the tactical approach to the game. Cause we don't often use tactical approaches like that to the game, which I quite liked. So you spoke a lot about uh, no one in the racks cause there were less beating players than 18 players on the field. Yeah. So we decided, and it sounds like I'm doing all the talking. Um, <laughs> we decided that, uh, we, we have some tactical elements that we thought would shock the, the A-team. And, and then we started to think about how they would react to it. So one of them was, look, we're just going to leave the rook alone and we're just going to see whether or not they continue to commit people to it and how long it takes them to adapt. You also put on the, the, the rule with as soon as we touched, we're actually going to carry on playing and then pass? Yeah, so we also said that if we get touched, then we're just going to, if we offload immediately, then that's fine. And we were then also discussing who we think would, that would agitate the most. So, um, which I always enjoy. I'm always interested in who's going to, who's going to find this bit hard and, and, and how they're going to deal with it. So they identified a couple of players, didn't they? And then we, and then we decided we were going to try and, try and annoy those players as well. And I think the last thing you added was a little bit of kicking into the space at the back that was left. Yeah, so um, we did two things. One is we said, look, we're going to, we, we think, because you guys would defend with a reasonable amount of line speed. So we said, look, we're going to try kicking and see if it gives us any opportunities. And but what, I, what we also then did is we chatted to the fullback just on his own and said, look, you're, you're not allowed to play fullback. Um, and um, see if anyone else adapts, see who solves the problem. Um, so we, we kind of, in a, in, a, in a naughty little way, we kind of, um, we, we gave ourselves a slight advantage. Let's, let's, let's call it that. But what I enjoyed afterwards, you spoke to him and you said, how many people did you tell about that you couldn't play fullback? Yeah. It was quite enjoyable. Yeah. So, and then we, uh, it was interesting. So, I mean, I, I, we did speak about this, but my sense was that um, the A's were struggling at the start. Uh, me and Juan had come all the way over from South Africa. Um, Sorry, Rusty, break up there. Um, I was going to say the, uh, the, the A's were struggling at the start. Um, we'd come all the way over to South Africa, and I think I wanted the session to look a bit better for the A team, but it didn't. However, um, and, and I really wanted to intervene, but I didn't. And it was really hard. Um, but they actually started to solve problems at the end and come up with solutions. So I felt, I, I definitely left feeling a bit better about the whole situation. But it was a real, it was a big coaching moment for me because I'm always mindful that of, of how much stuff going wrong you want versus how much stuff going right. And certainly at the start, I felt like... Uh, the B's were having some cool moments and the, and the A's were really, really struggling. 
<clears throat> yeah, it was cool like that. And some of the big team players, well, stood up. So Tepo runs nicely with the ball. Yeah. I think you and him had a good, good, good relationship or a good bond. And you, I think, exploited his strengths in the game, his running game and his passing game. Yeah. And I probably also tried as best I could. So the other thing is that it made me aware of was, was my biases. So I would, have, I would have definitely spoken to, you know, which players do you think I would have had a, some biases towards and why? So what the, which players did you see me interacting the most with? Well, obviously, I've just mentioned Teppo. You quite like Teppo. He's quite a small little boy. He's quite quick. I'll always go He's for the colors because I, know, I think they're going to be skillful. Yeah, so you said it to him. You spoke to Julian. He's a, well, the A-team centre. He played fullback yeah. last year. Yep. You also like Michael. He was the outlier for the A-side. I think. Yeah. You gravitated towards him. And those were the three I only, only watched. You yeah. could have chatted to others. I just... Which players do you think I had that uh, would, be, would be least like me? So which players do you think, ah, oh, Rusty wouldn't. Rusty would have to work harder to coach the player more effectively. Well, to be honest, I think you made an effort with all the boys because you chatted to them at the end. At the beginning, you chatted to them. So it was kind of difficult to answer that one. I think... It sounds like I did a lot of talking. Apologies. <laughs> <laughs> no, not so much talking because they play a lot of games, but there's little times and you pull someone out individually and have a chat with them. So I wasn't too privy to those conversations because I, I think I was refereeing the game at the time. But, but I think you made an effort with most of the boys. And there were 40-odd kids there. So, and I think we were there just over an hour. So yeah. to chat to all of them would be an impossible task. And I was blaming my performance on the altitude as well. So I didn't realise it was <laughs> quite so high. So it was, I was finding it hard. So if you saw me like walking around and breathing asthmatically, it was because of the altitude, nothing else. Yeah, that's why we often play at altitude. So the Springboks, well, it used to be a secret weapon of ours. Yeah, true story. And so, and so what's, what's your journey been? So how have you got to a place, Nick, where you are, you know, you are doing some great stuff and I'm, I'm, I'm loving the environment and the kids were clearly just in love with the game in a, in a country where that's not necessarily the norm? It's very difficult because everything here is very individualized. So we as a school are in our own little path and we don't have any connection to anyone else. We have a connection to a development club that we actually coach and stuff so that's a small little thing but nothing actually comes down from the top to us structures or, or ways of coaching or, or all the learning that we've done has pretty much been on self-discovery so I think it was a Lynn Kidman book probably about eight years ago that set, us, yeah. that, well, set me down this path it was that Wayne Smith section in the Lynn Kidman the decision makers book and I think started googling that and then on Twitter most of the informal learning so I was very lucky to find you and Fletch on Twitter, and Juan, then the Magic Academy. So it was, I think, filling my, where, my, where my head was going. And I, I, think, I think I went from how I was brought up to coach, very drills, very, very coach-orientated, to very games, but full-on games. So it was from one, per, uh, one side of the spectrum to the other. And I think over the last three or four years, it's actually come back towards the middle of the spectrum. So sometimes the... I don't want to say drill because a drill, I know your biases will be standing up, but decision-making with, with opposition players there, so you actually have that perception action, if that makes sense. 
Yeah, we were speaking yesterday, actually. We've been doing a bit of stuff around gamification and going, well, actually, that little kind of skill development is really easy way to gamify stuff. So it might be that you do a, you know, a three-on-one and then it's, a, you know, the next level's a three-on-two. And so think of it a little bit like that. But you know, I would always want to have some kind of context. So if it's passing, I would want to have something that gives me a decision on... Um, when to pass and why to pass. So, um, and clearly, as coaches, we might support them on the the how. So, some of the, you know, if they're doing some stuff that's that's not that helpful in making the pass effective, then we might uh, we might want to support them uh, support them on that. Um, so, yeah, what and, and I was just thinking, what, what feedback have you had from the kids? So, you know, that you've clearly coached during this whole period. What, what have you noticed about the kids' experience as you've evolved and, you know, and, and played around with, with going towards games and then maybe actually thinking that at certain times we need to step out of that and do some other stuff? What's been the feedback you've noticed or heard from the kids? So, well, the couple of things we actually noticed in the first part. So, we actually don't do a lot of fitness, like strength and conditioning fitness as per se, but we do a lot of running in the game. So, kids are generally fitter. We have more enjoyment from the kids. So, like our numbers swell. So, I think about three, four years ago, we started with 15 kids in that age group. And as you guys saw, there were 40 odd at the end, and a couple of kids were actually missing from that, wow. which was quite nice. So, from basically just enough to make one side to actually two full sides plus reserves and extras. I think it's just an environment. So like a lot of kids don't enjoy school so much, but they actually like the rugby. So they make an effort to come to rugby. <laughs> apart, from your, apart from your DT lessons, which they love, apparently. <laughs> well, let's hope. And what, um, and, 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 and so, and then what's that, how's that transferred to the pitch? So when, you know, that, that's all, I love the session. I thought it was cool, but, well, what does that then look like in games? Does that are you playing differently to other teams? Are they surprised by you? What's what's the stuff you notice in there? So we identified quite quite a while ago because we're quite a small school, so we've got quite small players, but we're blessed with quite a lot of speed. So our, our pitch is actually a little bit bigger than normal school pitches, but it's still smaller than an international size. I think pitch, it was the size of the pitch and the altitude that meant that I was struggling. <laughs> definitely <laughs> and so what we like to do is we play a lot of touch we've got a lot of core cool games like two touch turnover we like to play a lot of the Fiji touch with them so the offloading skills are quite good with them yeah but to us it's about speed and we actually don't want to get caught in a confrontation with, with heavy forwards so to us what we did really well like for example on Saturday uh, we played a side and our scrum didn't go well our lineups didn't go well but our, our loose play and our running play and our support play was really good. So we, we ended up running over a side, but actually not having any foundation to work with other than our rucks. Yeah. Which is quite enjoyable to us. And it's actually, the skill set to actually get the ball wide quickly, drawing and passing, it actually works quite nicely. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a good challenge that, to, uh, to, have no, uh, to have no set piece and then still to, uh, I mean, however, the, the set piece is just a small proportion of the game. Yeah, and then so they thought they were quite smart and they tried two main lineouts. And I think the first lineout caught us unawares, but from the second lineout onwards, it was sorted out. So I think that problem solving and decision making has actually helped them a lot. And 
we've given the players a lot of ownership. So like on match day, the warm-ups and everything is theirs. Even in a week, it's, it's all theirs. And we just talk about what the expectation, what we expect, and how do they go about delivering it, which is quite nice. Nice. The, uh, the Lions ran a two-man line out at the weekend because uh, I was speaking to their coaches and uh, they, were, they basically wanted to, to shock the opposition with a few things that they'd never seen before, which once again is probably relatively surprising in, uh, in South African rugby, but I'm, I'm clearly excited by it. You spoke earlier about the kind of, so what is it like? So, what, I mean, clearly we were fortunate. We were, went to lots of events where there was lots of coaches from different clubs and schools and other sports, and you obviously came to bits of that. Um, but it doesn't sound like that's the norm. I mean, it's not the norm because so at bigger schools or even events in South Africa, a lot of people want to keep the information to themselves. So if it works for them, they want to keep it. I think there are a lot of people hungry for information, but it's, it's not coming from anywhere. So if you learn it yourself, it's sending yourself on courses, you're going overseas, you're chatting to different people. And I think there's a new culture now of a little bit sharing. So like, hopefully the, you guys coming was the first step on that journey. So we had quite a few of the Lions coaches on Friday nights when you guys were here, which was pretty good. So yeah, you can hear me. I mean, that was cool that we actually just went and sat down even I was in awe with some of the Lions coaches and had dinner and just watched some footage and some videos and I mean that was a that was a cool experience for me and you that's for sure yeah that was really cool and that's, that's probably the first time I've had interaction with people like that in this country which was quite nice yeah the, so uh, like, sorry go on sorry so I, I checked to Neil DeBrain from the Lions quite a bit but it's just like guidance and plans and thought processes, which quite helps, helps quite a lot. But other than that, it's quite difficult for people to share. Yeah, interesting. I think- As a governing body, the South African rugby, I mean, yeah, it doesn't seem that they would have a strong philosophy of, of where the game's going and what are the skills that are required and how can we influence further down so that we ensure, you know, sustained success in the future. That would... That would have, that would be something I've yeah I noticed that people were craving. Is that would that be a fair fair assessment? That would be a fair assessment. And I still think well, maybe maybe it's us. Is I think each union, so like let's say the Lions or the Bulls or the Sharks, are in charge of their coaching structures, and then they feed up to the South African Rugby Association. Yeah. So I think there's there's a fail there. I think, but I can't say without. My personal bias is getting in, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was, uh, that was something pretty obvious to me. And also, given, I mean, we spent a bit of time in with the Sharks and the Lions and, uh, and the Stormers, and there's clearly a brain drain from South Africa of, of coaches and players because of it's a, it's a pretty favourable exchange rate. Um, and so often it's, it is the younger players that are playing, so the... You know, the the Kerwin Boshes, the Damien Willems is before they probably go and take a payday at some stage. And, and and it would be beneficial for the union to influence those people. I think so as well. But like I know we always talk about culture, but I think maybe if you want to play for the Springboks one day or, or if you have a good culture there, players would want to stay for a portion of their career, maybe the first part of it, before they actually look before retirement to actually get money in, let's say in the UK or Japan or, or somewhere like that? Yeah, it's a, it's a good recruitment. Actually, we spoke with the, uh, 
with the um, uh, which franchise with the stories about that that yeah, it's a bit like Saracens. So everyone wants to go to Saracens because you get a good experience, you get well coached. It's a great environment and. And, and, and it's pretty cool that you win some trophies as well. So uh, it's, a, it's a recruitment tool. It's a, it's a performance thing, actually, just by treating people well and helping them get better. Yeah, I think that's a big thing. And have you, so, um, and let's just, I mean, let's look at your little island and what, uh, have you influence within your school? What's, uh, what's been your tactics? Because there'll be lots of people listening to the pod who are working in clubs or in schools and would want to influence <clears throat> maybe some people that aren't like them. So what's been the stuff that you've, uh, you've, you've been most proud of? So we've, we've experimented a lot on the tech, which we enjoy. So we were like, brought up thinking that the 10 would run to the line slowly with small steps, even though you'd look, you'd be going quickly. So you'd be uh, buying that time. What we speak a lot about is actually getting quickly up there and then just like, let's say, two meters before you actually get to the defensive line, you actually slow it up and actually look for decisions or beat your man. Yeah. We, we, work, a lot, we work a lot with uh, actually attacking the second uh, defender. So if you can get outside your first defender onto the second defender's shoulder, and actually if you have like a double pump there, you'll actually attract the third defender out. So you're creating holes. Yeah, we, Alan's, we speak, Alan's we on the, calls out the midline, so he said he wants to run at the midline in between defenders, which I, which I like. It's how, yeah. we, how Argent, as I reminded Juan, it's how Argentina used to play. <laughs> well, saying that, I think the, the Jaguars are playing quite nicely. No, they're playing some I, I was only being playful with them. <laughs> what other stuff um, have you been exploring on the rugby pitch? So, look, we first talk about players actually going fast and slow. So, they actually come quite quickly and then slow down and actually speed up. And then actually, as soon as you slow down, the defence actually slows down with you. Yeah. Which helps us a lot. And then also, uh, we normally talk about passing before the line, but what we actually experimented a lot with was actually passing when you actually bend the line a little bit. Does that make sense? So, you actually go into the line and you're actually looking to pass question in the line. Because as soon as you're actually into the line, you've got the defenders actually all in that almost seated position. And they get there? Yeah. So, so your outside runners have got more space and time to run at. It doesn't always work for us because I think the skill levels aren't as high as it would be at the top, but it helps us a lot. Cool, yeah. I mean, definitely enjoying the focus on the speed at which people are running. I think it would be uh, quite scary for defenders. One thing we did identify with you guys is you guys felt that we didn't play from enough depth. We've played from very flat. Yeah, I think we spoke a bit about off the ball stuff. So you know, what are you? Clearly, it's it's over ninety five percent of the game off the ball in most invasion sports. Well, certainly with the numbers that rugby has, and so we're just trying to raise people's awareness of what they're doing off the ball. So maybe getting some people to notice other people and give them feedback, or maybe putting in. I think we played around with you know two people take the ball standing still. It's a it's a turnover that type of stuff. And that was quite nice. It helped us get the, let's say, the ball quickly to the outside. Which, yeah. We speak a lot about the treading of the water. So. Nice. And what, and what about the other sports? So clearly, you're, when we were doing rugby, I think it was at your head of netball was there. Um, what, what are you doing? Are you trying to influence other sports? Or, you know, as well as running the DT department, uh, uh, filling up the ink? I don't know what goes even goes in a 3D printer. 
Um, <laughs> is, it, is it plastic? Um, yeah, it's plastic. Oh, nice. There we go. Um, how are you, you know, how are you collaborating with, how are you influencing other sports? So we're quite lucky in the sports office. We've got quite a few of the heads of sports that sit there. And we chat about ideas, what's working for them, what do they see. And we actually go around watching. So, like, on a Saturday, we'll have a derby day. So, let's say, like, Danesman, my school would play another school, let's say, like, a Red Hill or a De La Salle. And they'll have netball, they'll have hockey, they'll have the rugby, they'll have a little bit of chess. And it'll be a whole day. So, it'll be watching, let's say, the final product of what everybody else is doing. And as we spoke about, there's more than a million How do they set plans? Do they use principles of play? Uh, how they structure the sessions to actually get a lot of the transfer across? What does it look like? How the kids enjoying the environment? Just little things like that. And what have you, uh, give me some stuff you picked up from the other sports. So what, give me some stuff that transferred to you. Rugby. So we, we've, we've got a, a hockey guy, Julian Hawks, that coaches our, our hockey boys and girls. What, what I quite enjoyed about him is they play with formations, but like every single match, they play with a different formation. So the discussion we have with him is how do you create players that are tactically, um, let's say, able to play in several different positions or in several different formations with the skill sets. So he talks about how he actually structures these sections with games and how he stops it to talk to them about different points of view. What do they see? Okay, if this scenario happens, what can they do? He says a lot of the same scenarios repeat themselves in sport, in a version sport. So he tries to highlight those as many times as he can. Yeah. And the first couple, we call, we call it the sky, well, guide of discovery. So like the first couple of times it might be messy, but as soon as you've done once or twice like that, you'll understand how to execute under the pressure. Yeah. That was quite nice. Yeah, no, uh, hockey and football would, would be much more down the different formations, you know, Christmas tree, stuff like that, but also around, you know, variety of defences as well. So zonal, high court press type stuff, man on man. Um, yeah, it's, uh, and, and clearly the teams that can switch tactics and surprise opposition and give the opposition problems they can't solve would be, uh, yeah, that, that's, pretty, that's pretty exciting that he's coaching like that. And any other um, any other sports that you've been picking some stuff from? Rusty? No, sorry, mate. Any other any other sports you've been picking stuff up from? So we looked at netball about how they include all of them with all the rules. So mainly down in the juniors, they say the grade ones and twos. Yeah. which is like the seven, eight, nine-year-olds, about no lines, no laps, no lectures, getting to play, getting to fun, for the love of the game, which, which, I, which I quite like. Maybe it fools my biases about everyone being involved. <laughs> um, we've got netball girls at grade three start playing competitive netball, whereas with our rugby, our football, our cricket, we don't really play competitive. So they play matches, results mm -hmm. don't count, but it's still about the competitiveness. Yeah, yeah. 
<clears throat> it, it wouldn't only just fuel your biases, it would, uh, it would fuel my nine-year-old's daughter's biases around netball. It's, uh, she enjoys the netball where she's, uh, where she's involved, and she enjoys the netball where she's less involved a little bit less. So uh, it's not just, uh, it's not just a, 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 a slightly older man from uh, South Africa, it's a, uh, it's a nine-year-old girl from Bristol as well. Yeah. And what about you? So what's, um, what's next for you in terms of your, your development? What are you, where, what, what kind of opportunities are you looking for? You, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm struck by the fact that you are uh, desperately trying to get better and learn and create better stuff for the kids. Where do you think it'll, that'll take you next? What are you, what, what are you imagining? Well, hopefully, I'd like to be involved in a, an academy so to, to spend more time with rugby because we only play rugby for six months of the year. So with the high school, we play for four months and then with the prep school for two months. And maybe when I was growing up, I thought I wanted to be a national coach, but I, I prefer the development side of it, the teaching with it, the learning. I love the attacking side of it. And maybe when so much, the results don't matter too much. Yeah. So you're actually trying to upskill them, get them better. So... It would be something that I'd love to do, but I think it's very difficult in this country to get involved with something like that. Yeah, we spoke something that, a bit about better, you know, the, the, the regions having better arrangements and better connections with the schools and that what that might afford people. And that would be a good way for them to develop coaches as well, like yourself, I guess. Yeah. So, yeah, that's on the, on the path. I think the scary thing about coaching is that we discussed, you don't know what you don't know. So there's big blind areas that you don't know what, what you're missing. I think the analogy we spoke about was that coastline. So the bigger your island gets, the bigger your coastline gets. And that coastline is all the information you, you don't know yet. Yeah, it's a good, uh, I like that analogy. We did, uh, we did our first teacher day yesterday and we got 14 more to go, which is scary for me because I found out there's quite a lot of stuff that I don't know yesterday. Uh, and loads of new ideas from other coaches that I'd never even thought of. That I thought, wow, what a what a great idea! And yeah, so we a good example. We were talking about gamifying stuff. So we were playing a game where it was encouraging offloading and be a bit like you guys about keeping the ball alive. And um, but then someone said, well, in a game, in a computer game, you could bank it. So if you decided now was the right time to take the ball in and then you just call bank and take it in or you'd, you could do. So yesterday we played it because we were also trying to encourage the skill of kicking where if you, if at that stage you decided, you know what, they've got a good defense and you kicked over and with, with at least two bounces, the ball went out, you got the ball there and you banked your offloads. So you were constantly checking the, the, the front field to see if there was opportunities and you constantly in the backfield to see if you could, if you could, you could bank it and, uh, Oh, it was a brilliant game. I was so engaged. How would that compare to your uh, your retake or your replay? Yeah, it'd be pretty. Yeah, it's a good. Um, and once again, we had. So yesterday, we had on each team, we had a, a person who could pause the game. So in attack, you could pause. The defense stayed where they are. The attack got an extra five seconds, and you were allowed two pauses and replays in the game. So I thought that was a cool addition. Uh, someone had a remote control as well. Um, we had another one, and I, and I can't remember the name of it, but I really liked it. So we played the all-black game, with the, which you know. So you know, you've got to try and turn the ball over, and you've then got 
you've got to try and score pretty quickly like the All Blacks do. And we said that, well, you've got 10 seconds to score, but you could add extra 10 seconds if you did certain things. So you got an extra 10 seconds if you communicated where the space was. So once you turned it over, if collectively you went, the space, you know, this is where the space is, your 10 seconds became 20 seconds. If you then made a line break, it became 30 seconds. So you started to achieve some levels around stuff that would be useful when you turn the ball over rather than, you know, back in the day has to be two passes. Well, actually, the probably the most important thing is let's identify where the potential opportunity is. Let's try and make a line break there. So suddenly that rewarded you with more time. So uh, once again, I mean, I'm not taking any credit for this. Um, <laughs> people, we just set people the challenge of coming up with some, some gamification principles and, uh, and they came up with this stuff. Uh, landmarks, so they called it landmarks. So if you, um, your first landmark was if you communicate where the space was, 10 became 20. Your second landmark was if you made a line break, 20 became 30, um, which was pretty cool. I quite like that. I know you can, so, you can steal that and, and tell everyone in South Africa you came up with it. I'll definitely do that. So I'll tell everyone I speak to. What? Um, <laughs> I'm blessed to tell me that when you make rules like similar to that. Sorry, Ross? Yeah, that's cool. And, what, and tell me about some of the individuals. So we spoke a bit about coaching and that. What's been the without names, but what's been some of the impact? Because one of the things I've noticed in South Africa is that, that sport is like is changing people's lives. So we were really lucky to go and do a bit of work with some kids from Kailisha. And, you know, I mean, it's, and we used to do that with England 18s. And it's just like, it's humbling the impact sport has on people. What's, what's been some of your success stories that aren't just the rugby? Well, we've got a couple of kids actually that have come to, to Danfern from our, our development school. So it starts off with rugby and I've actually played rugby and we actually found them that way, which is, well, I'm glad they played rugby. And I've actually come into the school, some of them matriculated. Most of them actually come back and coach for the school. They go to university, get degrees. So I think that's quite nice. It, it helps them a little bit. They're actually good kids first off, good people first. Yeah. And they give back to us. And a lot of them understand the principles and what we're doing at Dane Friend. So when they come back, it actually helps us a lot. Hello? Hello, mate. Yeah. And, 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 and Sorry, I'm just breaking. No, it's okay. And, and, I mean, yeah, any, any, other, any other stuff from the kids that, that you're, you're especially proud of? Well, we had some like, kids that are problem kids that you probably think, think, my most wrong thing to think is they're not going to be good, good people. They come and play sports and actually enjoy it and actually become better people and enjoy that, that atmosphere and that environment around each other, inclusiveness, and about making each other better. So they hold each other accountable, which, which I think has helped hard, a lot. Or maybe it's just me just looking at the wrong side of it. Yeah, I was, uh, I was, I was, I, I loved the, the way the, the players interacted with each other. That would be one of the, 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 the song. I love the song. Um, I love their connection as a group. Um, I think they w- would have sang that song all night if they could. 
They sing that. They sing that. We got two songs we sing, and they sing them pretty much all the time. So before a match, 15 minutes, we'll warm up. Probably about half an hour, 45 minutes before. And that last 15, 10, 15 minutes before the match, they'll actually go to the change room and sing. After practice, they'll sing. Before practice, they'll sing. I think it, it brings them together, which is quite nice. Yeah, the, uh, there's a, the clip of the uh, Fiji team doing their recovery on Twitter at the moment. And uh, it's probably something, and I, and I jokingly put, you know, the science of recovery, but it's probably something we underestimate is the, the connections that can be formed from, you know, rituals like that, like singing, like, you know, physical contact. They're all tight when they're singing your song as well. Um, yeah, do the coaches ever join in with it? Uh, sometimes we join in with it. Some of the time we don't. Sometimes we leave it to themselves. It's pretty yeah. cool. It gives you goosebumps every time you hear it. And I think I've heard it for the last four years. They sing and, and all. I think every time you hear it, it gives you that, that goosebumps. Yeah, no. The hairs on your, on your arms stand up. You can actually feel the energy and, and the love and, and the, the camaraderie. You can actually see it. They're all dancing and singing and all getting into a huddle together and jumping at each other. Yeah. It's actually transferred onto the school. So like on a derby day at the end, they'll all come into the middle of the field, all the, all the different teams, and they'll actually sing together. No. I'll, I'll record it for you one time and actually show you what it looks like. Yeah, mate. No, I'd, 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 I'd appreciate that. Mate, look, it's um, it's been class. I'm hoping we're we're going to come over and hang a bit more. And as I said, you are uh, you're always welcome over with us. I've got a few uh, one-worders for you as usual. So um, uh, be kind, be kind. That's all I'll say. Are you ready? Sorry, Rusty, break up there again. Yeah, I've got a few uh, one-word answers for you, so uh, be kind. Uh, are you ready? Yes. Uh, Juan. Amazing guy. Oh. It's too good. <laughs> oh. How many Argentinians were over with me? Just one. Um, Just one. Took <laughs> uh, me a bit of time to catch up the first time. <laughs> uh, school. Dynamic. Nice. Uh, rugby. Enjoyable. Family. Love. Uh, lions. Attacking. Yeah, they are attacking. I do, I do, I do love it. Uh, I was thinking about attacking like when, when John was actually walking with the lion and it almost bit him. Oh, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was no, I'm enjoyed that. Uh, South Africa. Beautiful. Uh, Magic Academy. Special. And the last and most important one, design and technology. Fun. <laughs> Mate, look, I really appreciate your time. Uh, thanks for putting up with me being by the side of the motorway. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll definitely do this again when I've got a better internet connection for you and, and uh, just to yeah, catch up on how things are going over in South Africa. Um, yeah, look, mate, have a, have a great day and uh, we'll, we'll speak soon. Thank you, Rusty. Thank you for your time and, and efforts and all the energy put into it. What I love about you guys and you is you're willing to share anytime, anytime I phone, you're always there. And to me, the sharing has been amazing. Yeah, no, mate, it's cool. I definitely, I'm definitely 
learning lots of you guys as well. So appreciate that. And uh, my luck, we'll, we'll catch up soon, all right? Perfect. Enjoy you your, your school thing today. Kids. Cheers, mate. Bye. Cheers. Bye.